0: Well, thank you for being here tonight. This is, um, this is actually one of my favorite worship services of the year. Um, as uncomfortable as it can be, as much tension as there might be, like Robin said, I encourage you to, to lean into that. It's okay, and it's maybe even a good thing for us to be uncomfortable. Um, so before we dig into this passage in Matthew 4, let's pray together. Lord, it gives me a lot of hope and peace and comfort that we don't have to beg for you to come and be with us. We don't have to conjure you up. We don't have to do anything special or spectacular. You are here. And I pray that you would simply help us to be aware of that. It's not a normal thing for us to be quiet and for us to be still. We can be really uncomfortable with silence. And so, Lord, I pray that as we're quiet and as we're still, as we're silent tonight, as we're maybe even uncomfortable, that you would help us to be aware of how present you are with us. And as we're present with you, and as we're present with ourselves, I pray that you would give us the grace to reflect deeply and see ourselves truthfully, and that would cause us to journey to the cross with our Savior, Jesus. We pray in his name, amen. So we are, um, if you've worshiped with Christ City over the past few months, we're in a long season of looking really closely at Jesus in the gospels and we just finished this last sunday the season of epiphany and with that we finished the in we finished a sermon series called the divinity of Jesus and tonight we actually begin the lenten season welcome to lent happy ash wednesday happy valentine's day And with that, with the start of the Lenten season, we begin a new sermon series called The Humanity of Jesus. And so for the next few weeks, as we journey to the cross with Jesus, as we look forward to Easter, we're going to see a very human side of Jesus. We're going to see that Jesus is a man, a very real man who laughs and who feels pain, um, who cries, who weeps actually, and who grills food with his friends. We're gonna meet a very real man, Jesus. And it's going to be challenging for us. There's gonna be a lot of challenge, um, but we are humans too. And so there's gonna be a lot of uh, direction and insight um, for our lives as we, as we journey with Jesus as humans. So I'm very excited. Tonight we start the series by looking at this text in Matthew chapter four, uh, the temptation of Jesus. And we're just going to look at the first four verses, uh, and we'll see three things that are central to our humanity in Jesus. Um, In verse one, we'll see the spirituality of humanity. In verse two, we'll see the hunger of humanity. And then finally, in verses three and four, we'll see the brokenness of humanity. Spirituality, hunger, and brokenness. Look first at verse one with me. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So most of us, uh, most, maybe half, a little more than half, probably grew up in the church or around Christianity. Am I right? Yep. And so that means if for you, like me, it's hard to look at a verse like this um, with fresh eyes, like We're so used to the Bible. We're so used to seeing things like this that we can just kind of pass over it. Um, but if you're able with me to look at this verse with fresh eyes, you have to see and you have to admit as modern um, people that this verse is really weird. There's a lot of like weird, mystical almost superstitious sort of stuff happening here. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. What does that mean? And even if you can buy into that, you're like, of course, the Holy Spirit. Um, He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, Um, the ruler of the evil spiritual forces, the devil. Um, Like, if you're honest, as modern people, it can sound a little far-fetched. In fact, one commentary, uh, the scholar writing this commentary said this about this verse. Listen to this. There is no doubt that the early Christians, like most of the Jews of the time, believed that there was such a mighty spirit of evil, nor can we question the fact that Jesus himself shared these beliefs. Nonetheless, we must recognize that That this is a mythical conception that has lost appeal to the minds of men. We cannot ourselves accept it without falling victims to superstition. It's a strange verse. The Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But my hope for you is that you can be open-handed and just consider with me. Open-minded, open-handed, what if... What if there really is a reality behind the reality that we see around us? What if there really is a spirituality of humanity? There's this awesome, I love this story, this awesome example of this in the book of 2 Kings. When uh, Elisha and his servant wake up one morning and they go outside to discover that the giant Syrian army has surrounded the city. And they're terrified. Like, we don't have near the capacity that this Syrian army has. Today is the end. We are going to die. And Elisha's servant is overcome with fear. Elisha, what are we going to do? How are we going to defend ourselves? This army is giant. And this is what uh, the writer of Second Kings tells us. This is how the story goes. This is amazing. Listen to this. Elisha said to his servant, Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The servant looks around like, I don't see anyone, and I see lots of them. Elisha, what's going to go down here? And Elisha prays and says, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was filled with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So there's this reality, there's this dimension beyond what we can see. And I just want you to be open-minded that maybe that's the case. Maybe there's a spirituality of humanity. But it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around. It's really hard for us to buy into. Why is that? I think verse 2 helps us uh, begin to uncover that Verse 2, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. (laughs) I heard some people chuckle, like stating the obvious, Matthew. Come on. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Um, It's stating the obvious, but I think there's something profound and insightful that we need to see in this verse, Um, and it's this, that Jesus, Jesus... knew what it was like to be hungry. But for us, we don't know what it's like to be hungry. For most of us, I mean that literally. Like we literally don't know what it's like to be hungry, but it's bigger than that too. Because every time we feel a pang of hunger in our belly, we immediately grab something and consume. I have um, a granola bar sitting right there in case I got hungry tonight right? We don't know what it's like to be hungry. And it's bigger than that too. Like we don't know what it's like to be still. Because anytime you have a pause in your day, when you're waiting in line somewhere, if you're honest enough to admit it, when you're waiting at a stoplight, anytime you have a pause in your day, you immediately try to fill the silence by reaching for your phone What's happening in the world of Instagram? What things am I missing out on that my friends might have posted? In fact, let me read you this. Uh, This is kind of a long excerpt from a book. Uh, It's about a study that was done, and it's fascinating and really sad, just about how we hate the stillness and quiet. This is from a book that many of us have read recently called Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren. This is what she says. A fascinating and somewhat disturbing study out of the University of Virginia showed that, given the choice, many people preferred, listen to this, undergoing electric shock to sitting alone with their thoughts. Study participants were exposed to a mild shock, which they all said they didn't like, and they would pay money, in fact, not to have to undergo again. But when left alone in an empty room with a shocker button for 15 minutes, removed from all distractions, unable to check their phones or listen to music, you can guess what might have happened. Two-thirds of the men and one-fourth of the women in the study chose voluntarily to shock themselves rather than sit in silence." It's funny, but it's, it's also very sad. Dr. Tim Wilson, who helped conduct the study, said, I think this could be why, for many of us, external activities are so appealing, even at the level of the ubiquitous cell phone that many of us keep consulting. The mind is so prone to want to engage with the world, it will take any opportunity to do so. We don't know what it's like to be still, We also don't know what it's like to be bored. Because if you ever have an evening or if you're fortunate enough to have a Saturday or an entire weekend uh, with no activities lined up, instead of facing boredom, um, we fill our time with media like Netflix or Hulu or sports or entertainment or whatever it might be for you. We don't know what it's like to be hungry or still or bored. We don't know what it's like To simply enjoy something, the simplicity of something, to enjoy something in moderation, because if we get a taste for something that we enjoy, coffee, alcohol, whatever it may be, we want to indulge and indulge and consume and overindulge. We don't know what it was. We don't know what it is to simply enjoy something. We don't know, listen to this, we don't know what it's like to be a human being because we're so busy functioning as human doings. And so we miss out on the spirituality of humanity because we don't know the hunger of humanity. We miss out on the spirituality of humanity because we don't know the hunger of humanity. So this season, this Lenten season, we want you to lean into To experience the uncomfortable experience that it is to be hungry. To learn to be hungry in your life so that you can be awakened to the spirituality, the presence of the divine all around you. And so we've put together a challenge. I want to show it to you real fast. Um, In your bulletin, you'll find um, a calendar. Some of you love calendars and some of you hate them, right? I like them a lot, so I'm, I'm very excited about this. We want you to experience what it's like to be hungry. So we put together something we've called the 4 times 10 challenge. Does everybody have your calendar? Hold it up so I can see that that you have it. Okay, keep it in your hand. Many of you may be new to Lent. Some of you might have experienced Lent before. Um, Don't do it now. I've already done it for you, and church historians have done it for you. But if you count the days of Lent, there are 40 days not including Sundays. Sundays, traditionally for the church, uh, are not fast days, they're feast days, as we look forward to and celebrate uh, the resurrection. So there are 40 days in Lent, and I think you'd agree with me that what I'm saying is true, right? That we don't know what it's like to be hungry. We don't know what it's like to be still. We don't know what it's like to be We don't know what it's like to simply enjoy or not enjoy something that we're welcome to enjoy. So what we want you to do is take those four things, because I think those four things for 99.99% of us uh, would be true. Take those four things and the 40 days of Lent, fast from those four things 10 times. Does that make sense? So it's not your traditional, I'm going to give up social media for 40 days instead, You're going to give up social media 10 times. You're going to spend 10 days or maybe 10 meals fasting from food. You're going to spend 10 days not indulging in media of your choice, Netflix or Hulu or whatever it might be. You're going to spend 10 days not enjoying coffee or alcohol or whatever it might be for you that you're tempted to overindulge in. Does that make sense? We included these calendars for you so that you can track how you're doing, so that you can keep up with, today I fasted from food. Or today I fasted from social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Today I fasted in this way. So I'll give you an example about what this could look like. On Wednesdays, uh, every week during the season of Lent, we're having um, Lenten morning prayer at our office at 7 a.m., And so on Wednesdays, I'm going to begin my morning by going to morning prayer with hopefully many of you, Uh, and then I'll spend the day of Wednesday fasting, and I invite many of you to join me uh, in doing that. And here's the thing, instead of, so with that newfound space in your life, uh, space for stillness and boredom hunger from not eating food or indulging in coffee, alcohol, whatever it may be. The challenge is, how can you fill that space with becoming more aware of the God who is? So maybe instead of eating a meal, spend that time praying instead. Maybe instead of spending an evening watching Netflix or trying to catch up uh, whatever you might have missed on Hulu, spend that evening reading something or journaling Are you with me? Does that make sense? Cool. I'm very excited about the challenge, but we do know that it is a challenge. Um, So let me close by giving you some motivation for the challenge. And the motivation is, yeah. Oh, yes. Write these things down and we'll email you too. Um, Food. And with food, be wise. Like if it's not physically good for you to fast for a whole day, that's okay. But it is maybe a good idea for you to fast for a whole day from Netflix, all right? Uh, Food, second is social media. Third is media like Netflix or Hulu or entertainment. And then last is coffee or alcohol or tea, perhaps some sort of beverage that you enjoy that you're tempted to over-enjoy. So let's close with some motivation um, to take part in the challenge. Look with me at verses three and four. So the devil came and he said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if you were with us during, um, especially the Path of Jesus sermon series, when we looked closely at the Sermon on the Mount for months, then you remember that the book of Matthew, um, Matthew is writing to, to a specific people. Does anybody remember? Who's Matthew writing to? Yeah, he's writing to Jews in the first century, the Hebrew people. And so, as they're encountering this story that Matthew's written, uh, they would have noticed something very important that it's easy for us to miss out on. Jesus, in these verses, quotes uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Let me just read for you one verse before that Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. You shall remember the whole way the lord your god has led you these 40 years into the wilderness that he might humble you testing you to know what is in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not so there should be some things there that sound familiar to you the story in Matthew chapter 4 mirrors the story of jesus uh, the story of israel this is a a retelling, a recapitulation, it's Jesus reliving the story of Israel. And when one of Matthew's first century readers, when they would have seen things like the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by the devil, and after fasting for 40 days, they would have been, it would have stood out, popped off the page of them. They would have been hearing it and they would have, been, they would have seen this. And here's what they would have been thinking and experiencing They would have been thinking, oh no, what's going to happen here? Because they would have been remembering these 40 years for the people of Israel that were not good years. They were hard years. They were tragic years. There was lots of pain. There was lots of suffering. There was lots of faithfulness. It wasn't a sweet time for the people of Israel, for God's people in the Old Testament, these 40 years. And so Matthew's hearers would have been remembering this. Oh no, this is the time when this is the time when our people went astray. This is the time when we were faithless. This is the time when we abandoned God. What's going to happen here with Jesus? But as Jesus relives the story of Israel, of course we see that he's not faithless, he's faithful. That he doesn't disobey God, he obeys God. That he doesn't go astray, he's always true. He's always true to who he is. So as Matthew's readers were encountering this story, they would have been overwhelmed with and flooded with hope and comfort. Here is one. Here is one who is faithful and who is true and who is good and who is whole and who is right. And just like this story in Matthew chapter 4 mirrors the story of God's people in the Old Testament, Israel, I also believe it's true that this story of Jesus mirrors your story and my story. Because we've also experienced wilderness times. We've been tested. We've been tempted. And we, like Israel, have often gone astray. We, like Israel, are often faithless. We, like Israel, are often not true and not good and not right. And so in Jesus, we have incredible comfort, because the writer of Hebrews says, because he himself, Jesus, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. In Jesus, we have a very real man who knows what it's like to be human. He knows the challenge. He knows the pain. He knows the suffering. He knows the temptations. And he's able to be with you in those things. And in Jesus, you're able to find one who is true, who is righteous, who is good, who is faithful. All of the things that your heart is longing for. And so tonight, as we... Reflect on that reality that often our lives are not marked by faithfulness, they're marked by faithlessness. So we reflect on that truth. I pray that you're led to desire very deeply to journey with Jesus to the cross and to find a savior who can be with you wherever you are and who wants to take you with him in the cross as we'll celebrate on Easter in Resurrection Life as well. So here's how we're going to end. We're going to end by participating in this ancient church tradition called the imposition of ashes. And this is the part of the service that may be uncomfortable uh, because you're going to look at your neighbor and you're going to see a big smudge on his or her forehead. And you're going to feel the awkwardness of a smudge on your forehead as well. And you're going to hear someone say these words over you as they mark your forehead, in the sign of the cross with ashes. You'll hear them say, from dust you have come and to dust you will return. Because there's a mortality about humanity. There's a frailty to humanity. And then we'll have a long time. <laughs> We're going to read a long liturgy of confessing and reflecting on all of the ways that we fall short, all of the ways that we're faithless, all of the ways that we need to run to and run with our Savior, Jesus. So what we're going to do before the imposition of the ashes is we're going to have a time of silence. And we don't like silence. We've already agreed on that. And oftentimes when you're in gatherings like this, like it's somewhat normal to have a moment of silence, you know, but there's a normal length. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a time when you're just feeling this should be ending now. And we're going to go beyond the normal length to where you're uncomfortable. And that's good because we need to be uncomfortable. And then I'll prepare us for um, the imposition of ashes. So take a moment to be silent And reflect on your humanity, your mortality, your frailty, in light of who Jesus, the faithful and true one, is. Lord, we get antsy in the stillness and in the silence, which shows us that there's a real hunger that we have as humans, yet we're most of the time too easily satisfied with things that don't ultimately quench our thirst or satisfy our hunger. So Lord, tonight, Holy Spirit, would you begin a process in us of awakening us to the hunger that we have as humans, awakening us to the real spirituality that we have as humans and is all around us, Awake us to the brokenness and the need we have as humans.